Welcome to One of Those Times in a Life, sharing songs and stories around the virtual campfire. At this campfire, let love go forward. That's the first verse of a song called Let Love Go Forward. It was written for Pat's and My Wedding in April of 1995. The previous year, in the midst of all the lessons about life and death and love and loss, I asked Pat to marry me. And the ring I bought her in Thailand might have worked as an engagement ring, except that when I gave it to her originally, I was adamant that it was not for that purpose. And so instead, I popped the question with a Mickey Mouse watch that after she said yes, she quietly traded in for a Timex. Once the decision to get married was made, something happened that surprised both of us. We acted as if nothing had changed. We made no plans. We set no date. We seldom, if ever, talked about marriage. We did tell my mom early on, so whenever we saw her, that was all she wanted to talk about, and that freaked us out even more. By January, we decided to get married in the spring, but not too close to my birthday, which was the 20th of March, and not on April Fool's Day or Tax Day, April 15th, which were both Saturdays that year. And after throwing out the idea of eloping, we settled on April 8th for the big event. The Brothers Four were performing in Arizona in the end of March. Pat and I flew down a few days early, rented a car, drove around New Mexico talking about our dreams of what might be ahead of us. One of my favorite lines from television was spoken by Eddie Haskell on the show Leave It to Beaver. After eating yet again at the Cleaver household and savoring one more homemade dessert that Beaver and Wally's mom June made, he looked up from the empty plate and said, Gee, Mrs. Cleaver, this is almost as good as a store-bought cake. Well, Pat and I didn't want a store-bought wedding cake, or a store-bought wedding for that matter, and we believed we had all the ingredients we needed for the wedding we wanted, starting with borrowing the idea from Coy and Connie of a potluck wedding where everyone brought their favorite dish and shared it with everyone else. Pat's two daughters would be her maids of honor. McCoy and my cousin Joanne would together be my best man. We asked if each would say something heartfelt, and did they ever. Pat's brother and sister and my two brothers each read a line or two about love to start the ceremony. Milt Jones, the minister who mentored Pat Sands and became a good friend, presided. We wrote our own vows. I wrote half a dozen new songs. McCoy, our friend Leslie Elial, and members of the Brothers Four, past and present, each learned and sang one of them. The day comes alive as I read from jottings I made right after the ceremony. Authentic is a word I keep repeating. 
How great it was that Milt was so available to doing the wedding our way. What a surprise when a friend I hadn't seen for years showed up at the door that day with his daughter. It wasn't flawless as hundreds of candles went unlit. Everyone in a circle reinforced the connection. It was special how people added their own words, how close laughter was to tears, how good all the emotions felt, how safe it appeared to have them all, how important it was to take time and care in the details, the flowers by family, the photos by friends, the cake, the clothes, and how those things may not have mattered but made a difference. A feeling of inclusion. If there was a question, answer yes. Feeling close all evening. How Joanne's emotions, her tears made it safe for others to cry. I felt like I was hearing the songs for the first time. People applauding after that first song, adding to a feeling of celebration. How comfortable the place felt. Full, but not crowded. In a way, it took the week before the wedding, and the week after to complete the ceremony, a time full but not frantic, a day, a moment that changed everything, a moment very much alive at this moment in song and story and spirit. Let love go forward from this time and place. Shine its healing light in a gentle embrace. Let love go forward from this place and time. It was important for both Pat and me that we got married before Lindsay left for college. In the previous five years, the three of us had discovered how difficult it can be to blend a family and also how satisfying it is when you do. Because there was no rehearsal dinner the night before the wedding, a lot of us went to see Lindsay in her last high school play, You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, with Lindsay in the role of Lucy. And at the wedding, the next day, she spoke eloquently of becoming a family. She said, Mark wrote a song for me to sing today, she began. It's called Part of the Family. And because of some circumstances where I didn't plan enough and I was a little busy, I didn't get it learned to the effect I wanted to. So I'm going to read part of it to you, and then I'm going to tell you some experiences that I've had with the family, with Mark being part of that family. My family grows a lot today. I'm happy, yet a bit dismayed. How should I act? What can I say to all these people anyway? What I can say to you is at the very beginning, when I knew Mark, I thought he was the coolest guy in the world. He took me on rides to the moon or Mars. He gave me tickle attacks, and then my parents got divorced, and he came into our lives, and it wasn't so happy anymore. I didn't quite know how to act. I didn't know how to deal with things. I didn't know how to act around him. I didn't know how to react to him. But it's, it's changed. It's grown. It's gotten a lot better. And I can tell you all now that Mark is a part of my family. He's more than a stepfather or soon-to-be stepfather. He's my friend. And he's my mentor. He's my playmate. He's a lot of things. And most definitely part of my family. And that 
That's about all I can say to him right now. Her words were a special moment inside a special moment. And that June, for her high school graduation, I wrote some songs and had those lyrics, along with those from songs I'd written earlier for her, bound into a book named for a song I'd written for her when she was eight years old, The Missing Piece. The book contained thoughts I later sent to American Greetings. Life contains happy endings. Not all endings are happy. What you do may be seen as important. Who you are is important. Each day is precious. Make today matter. Everyone's frightened sometimes. Don't let that scare you. We all make mistakes, spill stuff, break things, and are wrong sometimes. Admit them, clean, clean them up, fix them, and learn from them. Don't be afraid to fall down. Don't be afraid to get up. Test your instincts. Trust your instincts. You will compete in life. Life is not a competition. Life is full of special people. You are one. Soon, Lindsay was off to college, and with few exceptions, each year I write her a song and a letter for her birthday. It's a way of remembering and feeling connected to her. It's become a musical diary, a soundtrack of our journey. Love can unite us though we are apart Love is the answer we all learn by heart Hopeful and faithful, whatever we may do Love now waits for us to choose There's an old music business joke that starts with the question, What's the definition of a successful musician? The answer is someone whose wife has two jobs. And while Pat did have a full-time job, the continued success of the Brothers Four, especially in Japan, let me find the joke kind of funny and at the same time feel I could get by without having to get a day job, though there were years, especially early on when I did choose between heating and eating. And occasionally the touring got grueling. In 1995, the Brothers Four performed for the first time at the Blue Note Jazz Clubs in Fukuoka and Osaka. Over the next 15 years, we would do 10 Blue Note tours interspersed with a similar number of concert tours in Japan. That first Blue Note tour we did included six nights in Fukuoka, and then there was a day of travel followed by six more nights in Osaka, and each night we did two 80- or 90-minute shows, 24 full shows in 13 days. There's a music business saying that goes, we sing for free. We earn our money traveling to and from the gigs. For those Blue Note tours, it was like we got paid both for singing and for traveling. A concert tour in Japan usually means getting to SeaTac Airport in time for an afternoon flight, arriving in Tokyo 10 hours later with a day off the next day before starting the tour. The Blue Note Clubs had a travel arrangement worked out with JAL or Japan Airlines. JAL doesn't fly out of Seattle. So for a Blue Note tour, we needed to get to SeaTac Airport by 6 a.m., which meant for me leaving the house at 4 a.m., 
for an 8 a.m. flight to L.A. and then go through security again at the international terminal before flying to Narita International outside of Tokyo, where we cleared customs before continuing on to Fukuoka, arriving late in the evening with a sound check the next afternoon, followed a few hours later by two full shows. There was one tour where the flight out of L.A. got delayed. And we missed our connecting flight out of Narita. We had to take a bus to a hotel by Haneda Airport, the main domestic airport in Tokyo. And we had to get up the next morning and fly from Haneda to Fukuoka at 7-something, getting to the hotel around 11 for a 2 o'clock sound check and two shows that night. And the truth is, even in those circumstances, it's a grand adventure. And I feel lucky to be part of it. Let love go forward from this time and place Shine its healing light in a gentle embrace Let love go forward from this place and time Let love shine 1995 marked 20 years since I made my first trip to Nashville hoping to get my songs listened to by publishers and recorded by other artists. I've had a few minor successes. The most significant was I Tried Not Falling in Love becoming the first single of a U.S. debut album for a European artist named Suzanne Klee in 1978. For a couple of years in the mid-1980s, there was hope that Johnny Cash would cut Dear Partner and maybe even record it with Willie Nelson. And through most of that decade, I I had the faith and support of a small Nashville publishing company who, before they closed their doors, had dreams of becoming a significant player in the Nashville music scene. With Garth Brooks leading the way as the 80s became the 90s, sales of country music skyrocketed, And it became harder for songwriters off the street to open doors as Nashville became a mecca for what was being touted as young country. And because I was fast approaching 50 and chose not to move to Nashville, none of the changes were working in my favor. One of the songs I brought in 1995 was an observation on the rebranding of country music from seasoned stars to young upstarts, a sample of the lyrics The eagles fly, the stones still roll, Neil stays forever young, Elton, Clapton, Billy Joel, these rockers just roll on. I've grown up on country music, I've watched it come of age. Now heroes of my childhood, they don't get much airplay these days. They're the heart of country music, so I wonder why. It seems, while they're not too old to rock and roll, they're now too old to country. Another song I brought had more social observation, commentary. We see them out on the street each day trying to stay warm and dry. We walk by or we turn away from their hungry hearts and their empty eyes. They might be angels sent from heaven above. They might be angels here to teach us all of love. Be quick to care and slow to judge. Find in our hearts to open up, because when we share, there is enough. And they might be angels. That year, I also brought some songs about a kid learning rocking chair philosophy from his granddad, who loved to talk as he rocked. 
My favorite of those begins, My granddad came to live with us after grandma died. Most days he would rock away, most nights philosophize. He'd empty out his pockets, and with his wedding ring, there'd be a watch, a ring, a wallet, a pair of glasses, and some keys. And he'd say, these are everyday things found on most every night stand. Rich, poor, known or unknown, I have here in my hand five things we have in common that make each of us unique, a watch, a ring, a wallet a pair of glasses and some keys. And then Granddad goes on to talk about how the price of a watch doesn't matter, but how we spend the time we're given does, how the glasses that let one person see leave others blind, and how keys are worth something only when we know the locks they fit in and the doors they open. And the song ends, the rocking chair is empty now. Granddad died in his sleep. He was a man like other men in his own way, unique. He left there on his nightstand a bit of philosophy. A watch, a ring, a wallet, a pair of glasses, and some keys. A trip to Nashville usually means flying in on Sunday night and heading home on Friday afternoon. This trip, no exception. Days are spent there making contacts, cold calls, and nights singing at showcases. There's a lot of time in hotel rooms, and too often those hours are filled with blindly watching TV, waiting for the phone to ring. A few publishers listened to my songs that trip, but there were no takers. And like so many previous visits, I headed home, exhausted and temporarily discouraged. Though a myriad of doubts remained inside me, I continued to believe I was writing songs that were worth singing and being sung. Let the light of love always shine from you. Illuminate what is fine and true. May you shine with your own special No one's been a bigger part of my trail of songs than Mike McCoy. From the first time we sang together in the fall of 1965, something simply clicked. In 1968, along with two other guys, we competed in a national talent show called your All-American College Show. And in the semifinals, we ran up against a young woman on drums named Karen Carpenter singing Dancing in the Street with her brother, then known as Dick, on piano. Uh, we, we didn't win. That next summer, McCoy and I, along with our two buddies, got a job singing weekends at a ski resort near Seattle. We had to give it up when I left to join the Brothers Four. McCoy tells me one of these years he'll get over the fact that I abandoned him at such a critical moment. In the 1970s, he and I did sing together a couple of winters in Sun Valley. He also joined me for some club dates around Seattle. In 1978, he was part of a showcase concert I did at the Brentwood Playhouse in L.A. In the next nine years, when I did not have the confidence to perform alone, he was an essential part of a creative and a productive time. We did a number of concerts, as well as recording an album called Between Friends. 
McCoy and I performed together off and on as I continued to pursue my career as a member of the Brothers Four, solo artist, songwriter. And in June of 1995, the two of us did a concert celebrating 30 years of music and friendship. We called the evening Among Friends. We introduced nine new songs about family and friendship. Among my favorites was one called Special Lucky Star, written for McCoy to sing for his daughter. It starts, it's time for you to go to sleep. The day has turned to night. Whatever's left to do, we'll keep. Let's turn out the light. You say the darkness scares you some. The darkness scares me too. So we will turn the night light on to shine for me and you. Just like a star to guide us. To help us through the night. To wish upon, to dream and trust. To lead us to the light. Those times when you might chance to wake, it shines there in the dark, waiting for the dawn to break, your special lucky star. For his birthday that September, I created a book containing the lyrics to 52 original songs that embodied our career together. There was a section of new songs called Among Friends. Another section named Love Songs from Old Rock and Rollers. A group called Mad Mad on the High Wire were songs written about McCoy. Magic Carpet was the name given to what I considered McCoy's signature songs. Part of the River, a name for songs written for McCoy. His unique voice made them very much his own. A section called Between Friends contained songs from our album of the same name. In the cover of the book... It's a picture of the two of us performing with a band at Meany Hall in 1984. And the last few lines of the introduction read, We have sung in the wilderness and sung the sun up. And the songs in this book are an attempt to acknowledge, record, and document the journey. I could have asked for no better partner, no truer soulmate. And that at the time, the combination of concert and book felt climactic, an accumulation and a culmination. At that moment, neither one of us could have anticipated the places our friendship was about to take us. Let love go forward from this time and place. Shine a healing light in gentle embrace let love go forward from this place and time let love Thanks for sharing one of those times in a life. At the next campfire, a moment of truth. Hope to see you then. And remember, when you buy a CD or download a soundtrack of the journey, you are helping make this journey possible.